Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. I hope that's your declaration this morning, and I love that it's their declaration. You did a great job this morning. We need some of this energy. I need some of this energy. You know, if you ever want to feel younger, just get around some of this youthful energy and let it, just let it sink in a little bit because it's, it's really great. I love it. And, uh, and I think back to uh, just a little over a year ago, we had a theme here for a number of weeks, and that theme was his truth endures to all generations all generations. And I love to see his truth working in vocalists and and instrumentalists and these young people that are honing their gifts and their talents for our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his glory. It's absolutely great to see. And uh, I and Julie, this weekend, we also had some Some energy of the youth uh, rub off on us a little bit, too. We were with some sixth graders from Thursday, Thursday night, Friday night. Uh, Came home yesterday, and uh, yes, that was invigorating, too. So it was a different group, but his truth endures to all generations, and we want to share his truth with all generations. We had really a nice time with uh, these sixth graders, a lot of energy. I did return a little bit uh, winded, I'll say, yesterday. Uh, and when I returned home, too, I noticed we must, have, uh, we must have had some wind around here. I don't know if there was a whole lot, but I had a trash can behind my garage that had blown over, I noticed. And uh, I had, before I left on Thursday, taken the time to thoroughly blow off my deck. And so uh, there were branches, branches and leaves covering my deck, and I have a bird feeder, and it was bent, to, it was bent toward the east, bent over, and all the, all the feeders had turned that direction. So it seemed to me we must have got a west-to-east wind, and it might have been blowing pretty good here, and that's really appropriate. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about wind, wind it's powerful. As we drove on Thursday, we went up to the tip of the thumb. You know, it's like a windmill farm when you get past, uh, I'll say Marlette, you know, you're just driving along 53. and uh, We turned a little bit to the north as it went off to the, uh, as it went off to the east before Bad Axe. And it's like these windmills have cropped up everywhere. I heard there were 2,500 applications for these things. They, are, they just dot the landscape because there's power and wind. And wind is a picture that the Bible uses very often for things like power and other. It's used as other metaphors, other descriptions for us. And I want you to follow me this morning because this, this message could be a little like the wind too. It may actually go off in a few different areas. So uh, you might have to attention a little bit better, because as I said, I'm a little winded uh, today. 
So I'm going to begin in the book of Hosea. I want to talk from Hosea chapter 8 and also Galatians chapter 6. So if you have a, a Bible, paper, whatever a Bible you're using, your tablet, your phone, uh, you get your bookmarks on Hosea 8 and Galatians chapter 6. The Old Testament prophet Hosea, he uses this picture of wind to bring a picture to the Israelites. Uh, the nation had split into two. There's Israel to the north. He's, he's preaching to Israel, and he's going to bring a word of judgment against Israel. He says, you people broke God's commandment. You broke his covenant. You've rebelled against his law and his commandments. You've set up kings without consulting God. You just picked kings of your own liking, and you approved of them, but God didn't approve of them. You made idols out of silver and gold, Hosea says. And at this time in the uh, nation of Israel, there had been a golden calf that was set up north in the city of Dan, south in the city of Bethel, so these people could worship what they said was the God that brought them out of Egypt. They had set up this golden calf, and it harkened back even to the time of Aaron when he did exactly the same thing. But it was an idol. It was a false god. And Hosea brings a word against these people and says, these idols are going to be destroyed, and your enemies, Israel, they're going to pursue you. And then he gets to this verse, or two verses in Hosea 8, and these are the two that I'm going to share with you. Hosea declares in uh, chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, they sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stock has no head, it would produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like something no one wants. The prophet brings this word of judgment. He said, your enemies are going to pursue you. Your idols are going to be crushed. And then he brings this picture, a metaphor of sowing and reaping. And this is a metaphor, a picture that's used throughout the Bible. And it's an easy-to-understand picture. It was certainly easy to the agricultural community. Sowing is planting something. Something small, not something huge. Just a little seed. And from that little thing, from that little seed, there's reproduction. There's something larger that comes forth. From something small, something greater, something bigger. And it can be positive. It can be a harvest for the Lord, or it can be negative. As in the case here of Hosea, it can be a harvest of destruction. Now, in Hosea's instance here, the Israelites had put their trust in idols, false gods, leaders of their own choosing. They hadn't consulted God. They had completely rejected God. And Hosea told them it's like this. It's like you're sowing the wind. Now, of course, wind can't be planted. You know, if you read in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, you know, vanity, it's like grasping at the wind because we can't grab a hold of it. We can't necessarily plant it, but there's a picture here for us to pay attention to. The wind is fleeting. It's here for a moment, and then it's gone. It might be strong for a little while, and then it goes still, and it may stay still for a much longer time. 
What Israel was doing then is this picture of something that's fleeting. It's uh, something that has zero lasting value. There's no eternal worth in what they're doing. So Hosea says it's like sowing the wind. It might produce a stock, but there'll be no head. There'll be no kernel. There'll be no wheat. There is nothing there for you to a harvest. You will get no produce from it, no flour. Yet Hosea said there would be a harvest. There is a harvest coming. You sow the wind, you're going to reap something. And he said you're going to reap the whirlwind. Now that doesn't sound very good. They were putting their trust in themselves. They were appointing kings of their own liking. They're worshiping idols. They're sowing this wind, and it's going to produce something. And Hosea said it's going to produce the whirlwind. What's the whirlwind? It's a picture of a storm. It's a picture of a tempest. It's a picture of judgment coming, trial and tribulation that's going to come down upon this nation. God said your enemies are going to pursue you. You're going to be swallowed up. So the principle is here before them. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. And that is, that is an axiom that runs throughout the Bible. It's an axiom that runs throughout life. You will reap what you sow. And this account in Hosea, there is an important lesson here regarding idolatry. This was the, the major sin of these people because idolatry often masks itself as uh, true worship. Idolatry presents itself in the language of authentic worship. Today, many Christians think they can live just like their neighbors live and still worship God, the true God. They can be devoted to the world, so they think, and be devoted to the triune God at the same time. They fall prey to this mentality that says that we need to fit in, that we need to be normal, that we need to be like the rest of those around us. We need to be like the world in order to be fulfilled. And what are they doing? They're doing exactly what Hosea says in Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. They're sowing the wind, and they're going to reap a whirlwind. There's no lasting value to that. Now, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses the very same metaphor of sowing and reaping, and he paints for us a similar picture with this same metaphor. Sowing and reaping, it's in Galatians 6. Paul says in verse 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh, they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Sow to please the flesh. Plant to please the flesh. Do something to please the flesh. It reaps destruction. Paul could have easily lifted that verse from Hosea and just quoted it. He could have said, you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. It's really the same picture. But he used flesh, corruptible flesh. Well, this, we're made from dust, and to dust we shall return. This flesh is one day going to deteriorate. It's one day going to corrupt. And Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, uses flesh because it's been his theme Really, almost since the open of the letter, he's comparing flesh with the spirit. He's contrasting the inadequacies, the shortcomings of corruptible flesh with the eternal, awesome power of the Holy Spirit. And he says things like, walk by the spirit, be led by the spirit, produce the fruit 
of the Spirit live by the Spirit. All of this is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in contrast, he says, flesh desires what is contrary to this Holy Spirit. The deeds of the flesh, he says, they're a barrier against inheriting the kingdom of God. You live in the flesh, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The journey to the kingdom of God starts by the Spirit, and it cannot be achieved by the flesh. This is what he's telling these Galatians. He begins in chapter 3, rolls all the way through 4, 5, 6, and it's over and over again. You're going after this thing called the flesh. It's here because you can feel it and taste it and touch it, and you want to satisfy the desires of the flesh, but it's not going to get you anything of eternal value. That comes through the Spirit. So at the end of the letter, he's got this conclusion. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This is where he gets now near the end in chapter 6, which is the closing chapter. And then the contrast. Sow to please the flesh, reap destruction. Sow to please the spirit, reap eternal life. It's one or the other. There's two paths. That's it. He doesn't talk about some place in between. It's a life and death picture destruction or eternal life. It can't get more plain than this. I said earlier, Paul could have easily quoted Hosea, sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. Sow flesh is like sowing the wind. Reaping the whirlwind is like reaping destruction. And on the contrast, sowing the Spirit reaps eternal life. There is something here, there is something here that we can compare between Paul and between Hosea. And it's got to do with the wind. It's got to do with, with the spirit and wind. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and that's the word Paul used. Pneuma means a, a, a current of air or a blast of air or a breath. And it's where we get our word pneumatic. An air-filled tire is a pneumatic tire because it's filled with air. It's filled with a current of air or a breath of air. And in fact, pneuma in Greek is sometimes translated wind. And it's sometimes translated spirit. And of course, the context drives that. In John chapter 3, we, we read the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. It uses wind and spirit in that same verse. It's both the same word, pneuma, pneuma works for both spirit and wind. And similarly, in Hebrew, we find the same thing. That spirit is the word wind. In Hebrew, it's this word ruach. And ruach means spirit sometimes. It means wind sometimes because this is what the spirit is. The spirit is this, this breath. The spirit is a living breath. And so in Greek and Hebrew, we find that wind, breath, a current of air is used to describe spirit. In Psalm 104 in the Hebrew, God rides on the wind. He rides on the ruach. But then it says, he sends his spirit and he gives life. He sends ruach and he gives life. So it's wind and it's spirit. It's, it's the same. The wind and the spirit are pictured both in the Greek and the Hebrew the same way. And Hosea says, for they sow the ruach and they reap the whirlwind. Hosea said the one who sows this wind, this ruach, will reap judgment. Paul says the one who sows the wind, the pneuma, will reap eternal life. So we have to conclude. 
There's two different winds here that are being talked about. Hosea says, this wind is going to bring destruction. Paul says, this wind's going to bring life. And Hosea, the wind is the wind of the flesh. When, when this people, these Israelites, some, substitute something different than the living God to worship, something that was handmade and man-made, it was these graven images. But worshiping graven or molten images it's not the only way that people substitute true worship of God. They do this when they content themselves with just mere forms of worship, just going through motions, neglecting the matters of the heart, when they replace God with the trappings of life. And that's something that can happen in this day and in this time and in this culture, when they follow after celebrities and sports stars and revere the life of a person over the... God Almighty, who gave us the breath of life, when we trust in something above God and honor something above him, a power, a position in business, a political uh, power position, it's sowing the wind. It's sowing the wind, the wind of the flesh. Whatever the greatest earthly honors we could ever think about or dream about, what are they compared with the never-fading glories of the kingdom of Almighty God who made us and blew the breath of life into us? When, when someone puts their trust in wealth, while people pursue after earthly riches and things of this earth, they neglect their souls. They're sowing the wind, the wind of the flesh. And what is that compared to the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. What are the greatest treasures in this world compared to the treasures of heaven? They're nothing. They're nothing. All that we could gather here on the earth, it's but wind. When people seek pleasure and they seek comfort in this life for the, the gratification of their flesh, rather than coming to Christ, rather than coming to Jesus to say, Jesus, ease my burden and be my peace, they're sowing after the wind of the flesh. People are sowing the wind when they put off repentance. And I've heard it. I can, I can wait on that. That's something I can do tomorrow. Oh, yes, I hear you. I hear what you're saying about Jesus Christ. But that's something I can do later. I have to go sow my wild oats. Yes, another picture of sowing and reaping. You sow your wild oats, you're going to reap destruction. It's sowing after the flesh. Hosea called it the whirlwind. Paul calls it destruction. It's the same destination. It's death. It's death from a little breeze that blows into a wind. To, to a hurricane gale force. It's an insurmountable storm reaping the whirlwind. And there's examples throughout the Bible of this. David's son, Absalom, he tried to take his father's throne. And what real advantage did he gain in all the prosperity he, he gained by stealing his father? his father's people and going after their hearts and driving out the others from Jerusalem and, and seizing the palace. What did it gain him? He was sowing the wind. And he got caught in a whirlwind. And the Lord hurled him to destruction. We could go through the Bible. 
person after person after person, same story. What Hosea prophesied to those Israelites, it would come to pass. It did come to pass. Israel felt the whirlwind of the divine wrath of God Almighty. They had a constant turnover of leaders, many who were assassinated. It was, it was a violent, violent place to be the king of Israel. There was wars with other nations. And ultimately, as Hosea predicted, the nation was swallowed up by an enemy. And that's what he said. All the divine judgments which that nation suffered, they brought on themselves by sowing the wind, by sowing to the flesh, sowing to their selfish desires, abuse of privileges, disobedience of the righteous requirements of God. And it's not hard to see that when a people, when a nation as a whole sows the wind, they're going to reap the whirlwind. An enemy comes in and conquers. And God used Israel's enemies of tools of judgment. We see the same principle of sowing and reaping working in the lives of every individual. Just as it does in nations, it works in individuals. In Hosea, it's sowing the wind of the flesh, reaping this whirlwind of destruction. In Paul, he gives a great, great contrast. Whoever sows to please the wind of the Spirit, from that wind will reap eternal life. Now, what a difference. What a great difference. On one hand, there's destruction. On the other hand, there's eternal life. And it's through this wind of the Spirit, the breath of God, pneuma, the breath of life. No wonder you gain eternal life when you sow the Spirit of life, because it is life. You say, I'm born again. You say, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. So if so, so to that extent, then, I'm sowing the Spirit, right? I'm living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and I'm being enabled by the Holy Spirit. I'm good. I'm good because I've been filled with the Spirit. If it were only that simple, certainly that's a great thing, and certainly that's a, a start in life to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Almighty Holy Spirit, when he fills us, he doesn't override our will. He doesn't take over our volition. He still allows us to make decision and make choice as before. His guidance and his enabling are not imposed on us. We are not forced. So you picture a, picture a, a breath, a soft breath. It's not, a, it's not the Holy Spirit forcing us to do something. And that's the truth, and it seems like it might even be a conundrum. Well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but what are you telling me? I'm not going to be guided by the Holy Spirit? I'm not enabled by the Holy Spirit? Well, it's the beauty of God's design that he allows us to maintain our volition and that he doesn't overtake us. He wants us to willingly submit if God overtook your personality and your will and removed your ability to make choice, who would you be? You'd no longer be you. I would no longer be me. We're here on this earth, albeit filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll still be tempted. Sometimes we might yield to that temptation. In other words, we might be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we can still sow the flesh from time to time. And this is the reason Paul went over and over again in this letter to the Galatians and, and, and others. 
Spirit and flesh. Spirit and flesh. Stay out of the flesh. The flesh is going to bring you to destruction. The New Testament letters bear it out. He wrote to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians. He's using the same examples. Romans 8 uh, is another one. Flesh and spirit. You cannot finish by the flesh once you start in the, in the spirit. These people who received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, just like us, they remained failable people, as we all are. And we have to deal with that. We have to deal with this battle between the flesh and the spirit. So what do we do? What is it then to sow the Spirit? To sow the Spirit is to yield willingly. We sung this morning about surrendering, right? We have to yield willingly to the guidance of God and give Him, give ourselves over to Him and avail ourselves to the Holy Spirit's enabling. And that, willing is, that willingness is primary. It has to be. As I said, the Lord is not forcing you. He's not forcing me. So we have to willingly yield and then be obedient. Throughout the letters of uh, the New Testament, time and time again, there are these straightforward life directives. In Galatians chapter 5, it's just one example where Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, that's easier said than done, but then he tells us. He tells us, he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. They're sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, uh, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay, that's a big, long list by the apostle that's fairly straightforward and practical. Don't do these things, he says. And I warn you, as I did before, that those of you who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So there it is. He says, the, the works of the flesh are a barrier to inheriting the kingdom of God. But he went on. He said, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Sow the Spirit. Be uh, willing. Yield your life over to the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you, and you will be going towards that path. And remember what he says about these things to avoid. You still have volition. We need to sow the Spirit and and surrender willingly and obediently and, and stop these acts of the flesh. The sowing of the Spirit, it's sowing the very breath of Almighty God. And it means that we live contrary to the world. And that might be hard to do sometimes. We live contrary to the world, but we attend with diligence to the concerns of the place in this world that God Almighty has placed us. You might be a student and still living under your parents at home. You are a parent or a grandparent. You're a boss. You're a worker. Whatever your station, whatever your calling, God has placed you here, and you must carry that out in this world, but live contrary to it. Live contrary to the desires of the flesh. Live contrary to sowing the things of the flesh and instead sow the Spirit. Sowing the Spirit is having the affections which are set on things above and things higher. Set on treasures in heaven. And it has to do with the heart. You know, we can't yield our heart over to the world. 
We have to surrender to Jesus Christ. Now, all of this makes sense, you might say, but you still struggle with this. You know, you heard me say the Spirit enables, but you might be thinking, I don't feel that enabling. I don't get it. To sow the wind of the Spirit, we have to surrender. Have you surrendered? Have you willingly yielded? Have you stood before Almighty God and said, I give it, Lord, I give you my heart. You know, we sing songs like that. They mean something. They're not just nice artistic lines in the lyric of a song. These are, these are presentations which say something about the Word of God. To sow the Spirit, we need to willingly come in order to be filled with the Spirit. This isn't something that we're going to pull out of the sky and make God put into us. No, we need to yield our life to Him. There are two kinds of winds. It's the winds of the flesh and the wind of the Spirit. I talked a few weeks ago about desiring the gifts of the Spirit. They are helps. They are enablings of the Holy Spirit. But we have to first seek the giver. We must first seek the giver. And that's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. We must be willing to let him into our life. We must be willing to let his breath blow into our life. We need to surrender. And that's primary, as I said. Because the other option is destruction. It's death. And, and that's all there is. That's one side or the other. You want to try to ride the middle, you're not going to do it. You're going to end up on the side of destruction. We need to surrender to the breath. We need to surrender to the Holy Spirit daily. This is a daily thing. This is not some once once in a lifetime thing, you say, oh, I surrendered my heart. No, it's daily. You get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. I've given you my heart and I'm living for you. When you surrender daily, when you yield daily, when you deny yourself daily, the breath of God will enable you. The breath of God will empower you. He will strengthen you to resist the temptations that come to you on that day. He will help you to refuse to sow the wind of the flesh. So you need to yield to him. And invite him now and every single day. You know, Jesus is the Lord of my life, but he's not the Lord of my life just for today and not tomorrow. It's every day. And every day I've got to get up and say, Lord, I give you my heart and I've yielded it to you. We sung this song, which was called Build Your Life. These young, these young people who are building their talents and their gifts before us, they sung, build our life. I'm going to sing that again as we close. Listen to those words, breathe. You know, it talks about breathing. Uh, and the, that, that he is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. Why is that? We have his breath in us. God gave us the breath of life. He's worthy of every breath we breathe. He's worthy of it because he is the living spirit who gave us that breath. He is worthy, and when we allow him to sow that wind into us, and we sow back the wind of the Holy Spirit to reap eternal life, let's stand to our feet and, and sing it as we close. We, um, we've heard it, and they've taught it to us. Let's sing it together. Let's sing it together, and, and I just want to say, 
as we're singing this song, if you need to surrender, if you need to give your heart wholly and completely to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, these altars are open for you. If you've had, if you've had trouble surrendering on a daily basis, come talk to the Lord. We'll pray with you to help you that you can surrender daily and begin to sow the breath of the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your power and your presence. God, may the wind of the Spirit blow through each of us. Lord, we need it. God, we pray that your breath would stir us. We pray that your breath would get into us. God, may we be people who daily dedicate to you our hearts, God, surrender to you completely, holy, the divine Holy Spirit. God, if there's any in here right now that need that help, God, to give over their heart completely to you, God, may you just help them right now, God, to say, yes, I surrender all to you. And Lord, give them the empowering, the enabling of the breath of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray that, Lord. We ask it. We seek you, the giver of gifts. We're not we're not asking you today, Lord, to bestow us with any special gift. But Lord, just make your spirit more precious to us, God. Make your spirit deeper in us, Lord. Blow through us, God, in our hearts, we pray. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. And we just invite his presence in all of our lives. Touch each one, Lord, by your power, by your presence. Magnify it in every life today. God, may we never take it for granted. But we never take it for granted, Lord, your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, bless all who are here. Bless them as they go. Keep them in your spirit and keep them in your ways, I pray. I just say thank you in Jesus' holy and precious name. And if any of you do need prayer, if any of you want, you don't need to rush out. As, as others leave, you can still come to these altars. We'd be happy to pray with you. We'd be happy to uh, just... Seek the Lord with you on your behalf. God bless you this morning.